0: The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff, and I'm your host for the podcast, and today we are kicking off our special summer series, the Denominational Debrief Series, with this debrief on the recent General Assembly of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I have with me, joining me over the phone, GPTS graduate Phil Proctor. Phil, thank you for joining me.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: Phil is pastor of Sterling OPC in Sterling, Virginia and a member on the Committee for Foreign Missions of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church for about, what was it, 10 years? You were a missionary in Uganda, right?
1: I was a missionary for eight years uh, in Uganda and then have served on the Committee on Foreign Missions for the past four
0: Got it. Got it. Thank you, Phil. And so uh, Phil is a good example of a Greenville graduate excited about foreign missions and committed to serving the church at every level, local, regional, and national. And today, like I said, we're talking about the 86th General Assembly of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, which met at the beginning of June, June 5th through 10th at the University of Texas at Dallas, more appropriately at Richardson and according to most people I've talked to, this was a speedy general assembly, and even a delightfully boring general assembly. How would you characterize it, Phil?
1: I would. I would say that is accurate. Uh, we typically were able to end our business uh, in the early evening, and uh, had an awful lot of time to fellowship with uh, other brothers and. Uh, that was a, a very enjoyable experience.
0: Well, that's always good to hear, maybe even a little bit different than some of the other General Assemblies we'll be talking about through the course of the summer. I guess my first question, Phil, is tell us a little bit about the the handing off of the baton of leadership from one moderator to the next. I know last year we had uh, Mr. John Van Meerbeck, pastor of Living Hope in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and brother of a pastor at my sending church, uh, David Van Meerbeck, who's in the PCA. So you had John pass off the baton to whom?
1: To ruling elder David Haney. Um, he... His father uh, was actually the moderator of the particular assembly. Uh, It was the, I have to look at my notes, I think it was the 40th anniversary of his father's uh, being the moderator. So it was a real honor uh, to, to see those generations of faithfulness continuing.
0: Mr. Haney has a role in the denomination, doesn't he?
1: Yes, he uh, serves on our uh, committee on ministerial care. Uh, He did serve on the diaconal committee, but I think the ministerial care is taking up uh, so much of his time that uh, he's, he's really focusing on that.
0: So as you all were enjoying strolling along, talking to one another between the magnolia trees at University of Texas, in dallas Uh, what kinds of issues did you uh, did you tackle during the business portions of the assembly Uh, did you make any progress let's start here did you make any progress on the discussion of modernizing the language of the standards
1: so we voted to renew uh for one more year their um their work and um so they're going to presumably bring a, uh, a completed product to next year's General Assembly.
0: Were there any other uh, standing issues from last year that carried over to this year that are worth mentioning on?
1: Not really. Um, the uh, Yeah, I guess probably the biggest the biggest carryover was the uh, modernizing the language. And uh, next year's Assembly, assuming that they've completed their work, next year's Assembly will have to determine... Um, whether to receive that for educational purposes, or whether to actually vote to adopt that as the uh, as the official standards, recommend that to the presbyteries and whatnot. So uh, that that really was the uh, the, the most significant uh, carryover.
0: As far as growth of the denomination, I'm looking at here a little summary from the statistician, Mr. Luke Brown. And it says that the number of local churches grew by one to 282 and unorganized mission works increased by two to 42. And the total number of congregations and mission works was 324 at the end of the year, which marks a modest growth in the denomination. Though total membership fell slightly to 31,043 members, uh, representing a decrease of about 240 members for the year um though their membership grew and or i would fell, i would but, put that ahead.
1: in the context of we had one uh fairly large uh congregation actually from my own presbytery uh leave with about 600 members wow so uh um i think i think that the opc is small enough that when a when a congregation leaves you know a large congregation it can uh, Give a slightly uh, inaccurate tilt to our uh our uh, statistics
0: yeah because six hundred members in the OPC is like a mega church isn't it oh it's yeah it's huge <laughs> <laughs> i I had heard about that church leaving um I believe they left for the PCA is that right or did did they leave the independence yeah so they left for the PCA. No, they they
1: Left and joined the PCA.
0: Yeah, I, I had heard about that, and, you know, I know there have been some PCA churches that have left for the OPC, so these things happen, ministers and congregations even go back and forth. Um, but I I was surprised to learn that that church even existed. I thought the only church with, you know, that large in the, P, in the OPC was the Harvester up in Grand Rapids, so I learned mm-hmm. something new. Uh, when I heard about that, and you know, 600 is pretty large for the PCA, too, so now they're a large PCA church instead of a large OP church. That's right. Um, but this is interesting well, to know.
1: Pray the Lord continues to bless their ministry.
0: Yeah, very good, very good. Um, I, I read this. This was interesting. Though the membership fell very slightly, morning worship attendance increased, as did giving uh, through offerings, tithes and offerings in the denomination, and Sunday school attendance increased as well. And so on, yeah. on a typical Sunday morning, you're going to have about 24,161 people, uh, it, present in an OPC, in OPC churches. And about half of those will be involved in, uh, in Sunday school on a Sunday morning. And I think that, you know, those numbers growing is, is probably more significant than, than fluctuations in membership numbers because attendance, I think is a great, as a better indicator or more accurate indicator of denominational health than just sheer membership.
1: I agree. And, uh, I can tell you just from our own congregation at Sterling. Um, I think a lot of the, uh, vitality of our Sunday school, uh, program is because, uh, parents are very committed to bringing their children, uh, to Sunday school. We use the great commission publications, uh, Sunday school programs for the various ages, and uh, the parents have really been encouraged by that, and um, so we've we've definitely seen a healthy and robust uh, participation in in the Sunday school program here at Sterling, and I would assume that that reflects uh, other churches.
0: You know, if it if it's anything like my experience at my church with my children, and even in our adult Sunday school classes, those times during the week are really uh, they serve us as oases during the week, where we can really sit and 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 receive good teaching after a week of being bombarded by advertising and and entertainment from the world around us that is uh, that is not very edifying. And so when we come into That's Sunday right. school. Or And certainly corporate worship, but even Sunday school, it, we're able to be more relaxed. Um, when you're in a solid church, you kind of put your guard down a little bit at least and just enjoy what the Lord is doing in in the lives of the teachers as they teach us. Um, that's at least been my experience. I'm sure it is for you all. Um, noting here that the number of ministers in the OPC has grown uh, slightly to 557 And that includes the welcoming of 24 new ministers last year. Of course, uh, some ministers were lost, either transferred to other denominations, passing into glory, or uh, being demitted or deposed from office. Um, But on the whole, it looks like things are growing in the OPC, despite that slight decrease in membership, as you said, as a result of that church leaving. And one of the exciting things that I'm reading about here has to do with the... um, the, the, the Committee on Home Missions and Church Extension. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that's being done here domestically uh, for the advancement of the kingdom?
1: The OPC has got three program committees, uh, Home Missions, Church Extension, uh, Foreign Missions, and then uh, the uh, Publication Committee on Education that oversees our publications and monthly magazine and whatnot. Um and so, the Committee on Home Missions and Church Extension—we've um, got two brothers that are just working uh, tirelessly to encourage church planting and, particularly, church planters. Um, so it's it's a very encouraging thing. They're they're bringing in some some real uh, solid uh, experience putting together some some thoughtful programs and how to help launch churches. One of the things that, uh, John Shaw is really encouraging, uh, OPC churches towards is daughtering, uh, congregations. Uh, and, and that seems to be a healthier, uh, more sustainable model for church planting when we can, uh, bring a group of folks out that already have a connection with one another and, uh, plant and daughter churches. So that's that's kind of the direction that uh, we're we're moving in.
0: That's encouraging. Just reading here, I see the name of another Greenfield grad, Lowell Ivy, who was reporting on his labors at Reformation OPC. And one of the things he talked about is that he's also, he's getting involved also in the beginning stages of a church plant in Yorktown, Virginia. Right, And I imagine that that, that is one of these kinds of scenarios that you're describing of daughtering one church out of another, be it out of Reformation OPC or, or another congregation, I don't know. But uh, those kinds of reports are very encouraging.
1: And here at Sterling, we're at the very, very early stages of uh, pursuing our own daughter church uh, in a town about 30 minutes west of us in Manassas.
0: Oh, praise the Lord. That's very good. Um, moving right through here, you, you mentioned the Committee on, um, on Foreign Missions, or Committee of Foreign Missions here, and I see their report that things have been kind of difficult for the OPC um, in various fields around the world. Mark Bube describing this as uh, as even uh, Satan seeking to oppose the spread of the gospel, quote, with his sledgehammer, end quote. So... Uh, what what was the response to this at the assembly I imagine most of the men were already aware of some of the difficulties but uh, but was the sense of, of loss palpable um, was there a season of prayer how did you all respond to this there,
1: there is a great concern um, there are you know some countries where the political situation is such that uh, we're needing to, to reorient um uh, the, the men and the, and the mission, uh, itself. And then there are other countries where, um, just issues, personal issues have, have, uh, caused conflict and that's across the board in, in foreign missions. It's part of the deal. Um, you, you get a bunch of adventurous type guys, um, dropped in a foreign culture and, um, needing to work together. And and there's, you know, whether, whether PCA OPC or any, uh, mission agency, um, there, it's pretty common to have, uh, some struggles, uh, within a team. Um, and it just seems like providentially these things are, uh, have merged on to our committee within the past uh, few months. And so we're, very diligently praying and trying to sort through uh, how to best utilize the church's resources um, to continue to prosecute the the work.
0: You know, uh, talking to Mr. Bube when he was here for our uh, board meeting just a couple months ago, um, I was, when a lot of this stuff was coming to a head and converging, he just said, please pray for us. Um, Satan's out to get us. And uh, you know, the world, the flesh and the, te- and the devil do not slow down in assailing the church, but we're comforted by the reminder that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church, which puts us on the offensive, not just on the defensive. That's right. And so I am, I am glad to hear some of the highlights that, you know, though there are seeming setbacks in some of this work, uh, there is evident growth of the kingdom of Christ. As it says here in the report in the fields in which our missionaries labor um, and particularly in cooperative ministries as well with uh, the URCNA and, and other bodies and some of the translation work that's going on uh, to translate and distribute greater commissions publications material in Thailand and Myanmar, among other countries. So that brings me to this. Uh, this was a statistic I hadn't seen before. I looked at your report, and it seems like Danny Ollinger, has reported that to date over 50,000 copies of the Trinity Psalter hymnal have been sold, which is pretty remarkable considering we live in a day when, uh, you know, bestsellers, you know, you wouldn't expect to see a hymnal, certainly not a Psalter hymnal That's on true. the bestseller list. <laughs> on the New York Times bestseller yeah, list. <laughs> I, I was trying to put that delicately. I, I couldn't come up with the language there. Um <laughs>
1: Well, it's uh, so we, we purchased uh, the Trinity Psalter hymnal for our congregation and uh, could not be more delighted with it. Um, the, the tunes are well organized. It's uh, all 150 psalms uh, and then a really robust selection of hymns, um, very first-rate product. Uh, very, very happy
0: with it. Yeah, yeah. we, we use it at our church uh, here in Simpsonville, South Carolina, and it's been a huge blessing. My wife and I have uh, been using it in family worship with the children, and it's just nice having all of the, the psalms there and great hymns of the faith, plus creeds and confessions in the back. We were just using that uh, while visiting with family down in Columbia area and, and who are not Presbyterian, and being able to go from family worship with the hymns and say, oh, hey, check this out and start catechizing the kids um, uh, with extended family present was really helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I see here as well, Dr. Curto's name again and again coming up, uh, his role on the uh, ecumenical um, or ecumenicity committee, um, introducing fraternal delegates from different churches. Uh, From your perspective, as one who has been involved in four missions, which fraternal delegate report stuck out most to you, or, or were you most encouraged by?
1: There was a delegate, and I don't know if he was a fraternal delegate or not, but um, from China, and uh, I'd have to go back and look at my notes and um, see whether or not he was an, officially in a, uh, a fraternal delegate. Um, but he was—he was from. The Presbyterian Church in China and gave an address that was so moving because right now um, China is Christians in China are experiencing some very intense uh, persecution and for this man to stand there so bravely and and say the gates of hell will not prevail against the church and uh, pray for us in China as we pray for you um it was just i felt like i was uh watching a hero uh in action it was it was very very moving
0: that i can i can imagine so we had some brothers from china in our own assembly last week and that was one of the highlights from uh, the fraternal delegates reports uh, as well for all the reasons that you just cited um Going down the list here, you know, one thing that's on all of our minds as we think about the OPC and pray for the OPC is a tragedy that took place in California just a couple of months ago. Was there any discussion either on the floor or even outside of official business about the events in Escondido and, um, and that young man's uh, background coming from the OPC and being the son of an OPC ruling elder? Uh, was there any discussion about that incident on the floor?
1: We did set a time, a season of of prayer. Uh, Eric Watkins and Zach Keel, who's the pastor of the church in Escondido, uh, both uh, spoke and uh, then various men prayed uh, for the work there. One of the things that Eric pointed out that uh, I found helpful uh, was that there was a newspaper article that was published that on the same day that one young OPC man went into a synagogue to destroy, another OPC man went into another synagogue to receive an award uh, from them for uh, the work that his parents had done during the Holocaust. Um, and and so to, to say that somehow, you know, we, we can extrapolate outward from this one young man's uh, grievous sin, um, I think it's an imbalanced approach. And I appreciated the fact, uh, and, and frankly find it concerning that it took a theoretically secular, uh, newspaper columnist to point out, that uh, from this tiny denomination on the exact same day, uh, one person was being honored in a Jewish synagogue and another person was, destroying a Jewish
0: synagogue. You know, that that is a remarkable observation to make, especially considering that both of these synagogues are located in California. And you're right, it was on the same day. And reading uh, the report here, uh, very interestingly, Pastor Scott Johnson of, uh, of Wasilla, I guess, Alaska, wrote on his church website, quote, mm-hmm. against the backdrop of the atrocity at Kabad of Poway, the Rue family's courageous, self-sacrificial love stands in clear contrast as a true witness to all that we believe about God and Christ. It is encouraging to know that so close in time and place the shameful acts committed by one from our own church body that Daru's story was told as a demonstration of genuine faithfulness to Christ, and, end quote. I think that, that is an important observation to make, um, especially in these days when it, it's so easy and tempting to paint whole communities of people in um, in shades of black and white on these issues, when in fact, you know, we're all gonna have um, folks among us who are not of us or who are who are gravely right. gravely mistaken.
1: And if I can say one other thing, um, it it grieves me. It you know this this felt very close to home, uh, but. It certainly is a is a principle that's true in other areas as well. It really grieves me when a horrible, horrible tragedy like this takes place. And one of the first things that people, some people, will do is co-opt the tragedy in order to further their own narrative. Uh, and I know that that really hurt Zach. Yeah. Um, when he he literally was in tears uh, And at a time when he's in tears, then people are uh, trying to use this to further their own agenda and and are um, objectifying uh, a brother in the Lord, a congregation, brothers and sisters in the Lord that are grieving and hurt. Uh, really, really troubling. And Eric Watkins spoke to that. And I appreciate the fact that he did. I went up to him afterwards and told him that I was uh, very thankful for that.
0: It is uh, it is dangerous to be reductionistic in um, in cause and effect kind of lines that we draw uh, between events and and what we assume might be behind or contributing to those events. I, I'm reading right now for a class I'm taking at the end of the month. I'm reading through the book of Job multiple times, reading different books on <laughs> Job. And I mean, that yeah. is the classic mistake of Job's three friends is that they want to draw a straight line from Job's, uh, from Job's suffering to some supposed sin on Job's part. And again and again, that's shown to be completely inappropriate. And, you know, Zach, the pastor here in this case, Zach, he, there's nothing that he did to encourage this from this young man. By all measures, he's a faithful pastor and one who reflects. He's a good yeah, he's a very good brother. And one that who reflects the diversity of Christ's kingdom and love for all nations, even in his own family and certainly in his congregation. And uh, this is a tragedy that has fallen on on this ruling elder's family with his son going off and doing this that has fallen on the church and on Zach and his family, and, and I can't imagine the stress or the, the tragedy has been put on him, but we trust that the Lord is doing something that we cannot yet see to bring about um, glory for himself and good for his people in this situation, and we can say with Job in Job 19, you know, my Redeemer lives and express hope in, in what the Lord is doing, though it's, it's awfully confusing to us when, when all we can see is what we do see that's right so as, as we said earlier as far as the business goes for the actual assembly and looking over the notes there's really not a whole lot that went on this year which again you know there's a that that curse may you live in interesting times right that's right and, uh, <laughs> i guess it's yeah, good this that this a, year uh, this was not a very interesting year for you dull all assembly
1: um, <laughs> and I'll take dull assemblies. I've been at exciting assemblies and they're no fun. Uh, yeah, I was
0: one. At, I at was at one last all. week, <laughs> and it, I don't know if I'd call it fun. One
1: one highlight uh, of the assembly uh, to me was Jonathan Holst, a fellow GPTS graduate, uh, gave one of the devotionals, and uh, it, it it was incredibly moving. It came at a sort of a difficult, uh, point in the assembly. And, uh, you know, when people were arguing back and forth because we needed something to argue about. And, uh, <laughs> then we hit the order of the day and the matter was, you know, we were going to take the matter up again and boom. Okay. Jonathan preached the gospel. And, uh, he noted that he said, I really hadn't anticipated stepping up to preach at this point, but, uh, Let's put those things aside and turn our attention to the Word, and uh, gave just a beautiful gospel-saturated exposition um, out of Jeremiah 32.
0: It seems one of the points he made here that was recorded by the people writing up the summary, even when, perhaps especially when, there is adversity and trial, we can remember that the command given to Jeremiah to purchase this land carried with it the great hope of God's final purpose of bringing restoration to His people— And so, yeah, a message of hope. And you, like you said, you all were, I think, hitting um, a point of contention over uh, an advisory committee for an issue that came up through a presbytery that was requesting help. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Those those situations are the kinds of situations that, that cause consternation in the midst of an assembly. Well, You know, one of the things that that really sticks out to me, just glancing over this report, is again and again seeing familiar names from men associated with Greenville Seminary. You know, Mark Bube, Tony Curto, um, Jonathan Holst, Lowell Ivey, Chris Campbell from the RCUS... uh, um, Kevin GM Back, Stevenson. Jim Stevenson, Kevin Back is from the BPC. You know, these are men who are serving as board members, professors, and are graduates of Greenville Seminary. And being the director of advancement and admissions at said seminary, it makes my heart glad to see these good brothers who I know well and who uh, whom I love uh, serving the church so faithfully and uh, in a way that's getting a little bit of recognition, even if it's just in. Um, these simplified uh, minutes and reports from your assembly. Yes. And
1: I think, um, you know, there, there, there was a time uh, rightly or wrongly uh, where Greenville seminary uh, had, there, there was a bit of a stigma uh, associated with Greenville. And uh, I can tell you that uh, there's, there's no stigma. Greenville's turning out good men and, um, it, and at least in my own experience, uh, have, have been very warmly received and labor very comfortably and well in, in, uh, in the OPC, as, I, as I'm sure in other churches. But uh, just speaking from my own narrow uh, lane that, that I run in, uh, Greenville's got a, a good reputation and is turning out good men.
0: I'm glad to hear it. We love the OPC. We love receiving students from the OPC and plugging them in here at Covenant Community right down the street, and we love sending men back into the OPC to serve, uh, hopefully with distinction and great usefulness, the cause of Christ in Christ's church. W- one other observation I do want to make, and this is actually something held in common between uh, the PCA and the OPC is is both denominations are right now at transition points regarding the stated clerk's office, and if if I read that correctly, it looks as though um, was it Ross Graham, your current stated clerk, it will be stepping down or retiring from the position and being replaced. Is that right?
1: That's correct. Uh, with with a good friend of mine, uh, who pastors uh, OPC Church uh, in. I think he's in East Tennessee. He may be the western part of Virginia. Uh, never never can remember well. Uh, <laughs> but, yes, so we're going to be. And and he's going to be uh, doing that work while also pastoring a church, which uh, either says he's insane or uh, very, very gifted. <laughs>
0: Hank Belfield, right? Correct. And he is pastor of Providence, OPC, and now I'm going to mess up pronunciation of this, Chilhowee, Virginia, or Chilhowee, yes, Virginia. Chilhowey. Yeah, Chilhowee. Yeah, no, Chilhowee. You okay, got it right, right. Chilhowee. All right. It's it's pronounced or just the way it reads, or that the way it's spelled. Just the way it reads. So he's going to be stated clerk while pastoring. Well, good for him. I hope that works out well. <laughs> That's a lot of work.
1: That is a lot of work. Uh, we're desperately searching for a stated clerk in our own presbytery and uh, i took one look at the job description and said nope <laughs> this is way too much for me and that's just a presbytery
0: yeah yeah i can't imagine <clears throat> doing it for an entire denomination well we have our work cut out for us as well in the pca i know some of the men uh, who have uh, been in talks about um, succeeding Elroy roy taylor uh, in our in our body as well and i can tell you uh, from experience of even just going to a few general assemblies and speaking with uh, previous stated clerks of our denomination, how important a role it is. You need to have a man who is there, who has good convictions, as well as a great command over parliamentary procedure, um, their, your church's BCO, and and the like. So, and also just administrative talents and skills and experience uh, appropriate to the task. So it is quite the job, but um, we will pray um, for Mr. Belfield as he uh, as he steps into it uh, for the OPC, even as we thank God for the many years of service from Mr. Graham. Well, Phil, I thank you for your time today in this short, about half-hour interview about the OPC. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share before we uh, close up the interview?
1: Well, having served in other uh, denominations, uh as an officer, um, one of the things that I appreciate, uh, really value about the OPC's format for doing the General Assembly is a very intentionally have it uh, overlap uh, the Lord's Day. And so the, the Assembly closes down Saturday night, resumes Monday morning, and we worship in the local congregations uh, on, the, on the Lord's Day. And I've always found that extremely refreshing um, and a, a good focus. Uh, so, so that's something you know, just a random plug for uh, having intentional times of fellowship and and worship in the local congregations. Uh, something I appreciate about the way that uh, the GA is structured.
0: That's a helpful observation, and it's something that probably would not be possible except for the fact that it is a delegated assembly.
1: That's right. Yeah. If if I don't if I don't stay to the closing bell, I don't get my airplane ticket reimbursed. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's an incentive to stick around.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much, Phil. Always a pleasure to talk to you, and glad to hear about the Lord's work in the OPC. Thank you, Zach. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.